Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Wholeheartedly Her podcast. I'm your host, Laura Pryor, and this week we have such a fun guest on. My friend Taylor and I went to college together, and we met when I, shocker, (laughs) tried my hand at nursing school. Um, And Taylor and I just had such a great conversation about Christianity and its role in the government and policy. But let me tell you a little bit more about Taylor. Um, As an ICU nurse, Taylor felt the calling to protect and care for others, and she continues to do so, but in a completely different arena. Taylor believes it's her calling to wake up the world and call them into battle as she fights for the next generation. Taylor is the host of the For Liberty and Justice podcast, where she gets to talk to politicians and activists about the current affairs of the nation. She strongly believes that it is time for the church to take a stand for righteousness and that cowardice has no place within the church. She is married to her best friend, Tommy, and is a stay-at-home mom of two who loves pouring into her kids and raising them up as children who are in love with the Lord. You guys, don't miss this conversation with Taylor, so grab yourself a seat at the table and welcome back to the Wholeheartedly Her podcast. All right, so welcome to the Wholeheartedly Her podcast, Taylor. I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself, your family, your life. Just take it away. First of all, thank you so much for just inviting me on here. It's such a cool opportunity to get to talk about what I do and just a little bit about myself and especially catch up. I mean, I haven't seen you since college. I know. It's Um, been a while. It's, well, and I just realized it's been almost 10 years since I graduated. Yeah. And because you were, what, almost, you were their junior or senior when I was a freshman. uh Yeah. So wild. Like, I feel, I feel ancient. Um, Oh, that's how I feel. My brother, my, my brother and I's high school, they did this like little alumni event a month ago, probably. I was like, oh, we've been gone for 10 years. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a grandma. It's fine. Yep. yep. It's welcome to the club. I'm the president. Yes. Perfect. Um, Perfect. I can be vice president. Yeah. Perfect. I love this. Um, But anyway, my name's Taylor Hardiman. Um, I, by trade, am an ICU nurse and I would have been fine working as a ICU nurse or a nurse practitioner, travel nurse my entire life. And then I ended up meeting my husband and fell very hard, very fast and knew on our first date that we were going to get married and mm-hmm. married him. And then six weeks later, found out I was pregnant with our daughter. And then no. I held her. Yes. I didn't realize yes. it was that fast. That's It wild. was that fast. People were doing math and I was like, nope, nope, we're good. Um, but wow. I held her for the first time and I realized there is no way I'm going back to the hospital. I, d- I don't regret that decision once, but I'm a stay-at-home mom with two. I have my five-year-old daughter and my three-year-old son. And they're just absolutely hilarious. And I love it. Honestly, I never really saw myself taking on the role I get to take on now. I would have been happy being a stay-at-home mom. Like we want land. We want to live on a farm and um, just kind of just live a slower paced life in all honesty. But we own a couple of just franchises. And so when COVID hit in 2020 and we were sitting on the couch waiting to see if the government was going to deem our business essential. I just had this realization that government overreach is essentially a real thing. And the fact they have power to wipe out someone's livelihood just didn't sit well with me. And I didn't take it well. I was, I was really angry and I didn't know where to put that, but just 
kind of just dug in. I'm a believer. So it's like, Lord, I don't even know what to do with this at this point, honestly. And he was just like, just wait, just wait. Like you will have somewhere to put this. I was like, okay. And we go to a church that's relatively very outspoken about politics, which is rare. You don't see that a lot in America. It was weird seeing people who were saying the things that I was thinking and they weren't afraid of being blacklisted. They weren't afraid of being docs. Like they were fearless. And I was like, okay, these might be my people. So I slowly just started getting involved in like school board meetings, different political events. We have a couple of friends who've run for office, one friend for mayor and seeing someone, a believer in just a dirty area of politics, run for office, like not even afraid that he was going to lose. And he lost, I mean, it wasn't even close. Like it was not a well-run campaign, but the atmosphere shifted whenever he started running and walked in obedience. And it was just cool to get to be a part of that and watch that happen. And then one of our other dear friends ran for Texas house and he won. And he basically just drugged me along with him of Taylor, you're coming with me. Like, let's, we're going to do this thing. And I, was like, I don't know what this is, but let's yeah. do it. Yeah. We um, love it when friends are just like, all right, you're here. Here's your place. Yep. Yep, this is what you're going to do. Yep. So I started just showing up to school board meetings. And our first one was at Keller ISD. And we were protesting certain books that were on the shelves in public schools. And they were very pornographic. It wasn't even like an LGBT book, which a lot of people thought we were protesting. It was these deeply pornographic books that mm -hmm. kids as long, young as five had access to. And we just yeah. walked in and was like, hey, like porn has a huge effect on the, like, the brain of a child. It completely shifts and alters their minds. Like this isn't okay. And just the backlash from people of, us speaking out. I mean, I've been called some pretty horrendous names and it's just the anger that went along with this. And I was just like, okay, like this is a fight. Like this is where I can be. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I just, I just started getting involved more. I, we have a program with for Liberty and justice, which is the organization I'm in and it's called candidate university. So I went through that and it's, it's essentially prepped believers to get ready to run for office or become campaign managers or even just any sphere of influence within the government. And then I took over the podcast. And so now I'm here just making noise and I love it. I love what I get yeah. to do. It's terrifying, but I love it. Yeah. It's so different because this is probably my spiciest take I've had yet. Honestly, this episode will be um, <laughs> just because it is like, I feel like it's a hot topic and mm -hmm. it is really just really scary, honestly, to just be mm -hmm. like, here, everyone, here's my thoughts. Because yeah. freaking cancel culture, which I hate mm -hmm. cancel culture. I, mm -hmm. That's a whole other topic I could go off on. But you put yourself out there to be canceled, to be talked badly about, to be posted mm -hmm. badly about. But like, and you, you know, you know, this feeling like I feel like I've prayed over this project so much mm -hmm. and just like felt from the Lord, like, because I told my husband, I was like, who wants to listen to me talk? Like, I like talking. My degree is in communications. I know I like to talk. But like, who wants to listen to me talk? And I actually went back to, or I remembered one of um, the things that one of my professors at OBU told me um, when I was switching from nursing to comms. And she was like, Laura, she's like, I'm not going to tell you to come over to comms, but you're in my like generic speech class. You love this class. You're ha you hate anatomy class. I was like, I really do. I really don't want to go over there in two hours. She was like, God's not going to give you a passion for something that he does not mm -hmm. plan to glorify himself through yeah. 
And that has stuck with me for what, almost 10 years now. And it's just, it's just wild. Like it's scary, but it's like a peaceful scary to know that the Lord is just like draped over those projects that you were just like, what in the heck am I doing? Well, and and I'll talk about this a lot. I am a believer and I believe that wherever I walk, I have authority and you, what, where I'm walking politics is, is a very spiritual realm that we're walking into. And for so long, the church hasn't been silent. And so there's almost a demonic stronghold over politics. And if I were to walk in terrified and cared about what people thought about me and cared about people's perception of me mm-hmm. and, and feared for my family, I would make it. And at the end of the day, I just, I sat down with my husband. I said, everything we do, we try to be in unity. So yeah, this could have repercussions for what we, what we do in our business. And he goes, I don't care. We're not going to be cowards. And I said, okay, then, then we're all in. And I know that wherever I go, the Lord's going to walk before me because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, my goal is to walk in obedience to what the Lord says. Right. And, you know, part of that, this is where he's leading me. So I know he's gone before me yeah. and he's going to make my path smooth. I love what you said about he gives us the authority. Like we don't like just as humans, we do not have the authority to do anything at all. And going back to that verse in the Bible, it just talks about how God just like gives us the authority to spread his kingdom and to spread Mm -hmm. his word. And that's what he's not only given us the authority, he's given us like the commission, like do Mm -hmm. this. I'm not just like saying, oh, if you want to, here's permission. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, no, this is your job on earth. And And that's probably my biggest, the biggest thorn in my side is we do have the authority and we are called to be in every sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And Christians tend to just lay down and roll over, but we yeah, can't. And I, feel, and I feel like so often we lay down and roll over in the name of like love, which I'm like. And peace. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, there is a line. Like you don't just mm-hmm. literally go beat someone over the head with a Bible, but mm-hmm. it's also like Jesus, he overthrew tables. He cast, mm-hmm. you know, supposedly religious people out of a religious yeah. setting. And it's like Jesus came in love and peace but he also came in justice and mm-hmm. i think that's the biggest thing to remember as christians is and, like and not a tolerance of one sin like did he right. love them yes absolutely right. there's no doubt in my mind that he right. loved people but he also called them from sin right and we have to remember that that he wasn't a pacifist Mm-mm. he 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 essentially just walked in kicked down doors and he was kind about it and i, I feel like that's where we get a bad name of you know, you see certain churches who are just standing on corners mm-hmm. shouting that you're going to burn in hell for sins. It's like, that I wasn't Jesus either. from that church. They oh, actually so came and protested my father-in-law's church. That's so fun. So, They're so special. Just special. <laughs> and, then, and that's that's such a good thing to point out because I feel like because they do claim a denomination and I'm like, mm, no, no, you can't claim our God or our denomination if you're going to act like the complete opposite because that is yeah. not how Jesus would act at that's all. That's not the nature so, of God at all. That's that's no. that's not him. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into more of kind of the nitty-gritty. Obviously, we we know like kind of your view of God and government. Would you view that I'm going to try to word this to where it makes sense. Everyone talks about separation of church and state, you know. This is this is why the pilgrims came to America because they didn't think that um, religion and the religious you know monarchy or whatever they were 
had a place in the political spectrum of their day. Is that, would you, would you view that as correct? Would you view that as, yeah, we should keep God and politics separate, which from what you already said, I'm, I I can assume your answer. I think we can all assume your answer, but kind of expound on that specifically. Cause I know we've talked about, you know, just generic like religion beliefs, but specifically Christianity and government, mm-hmm. they work together. I've always had a hard time formulating a response to this. In all honesty, I'm never going to pretend like I know every single answer because I don't, but you can never separate politics and the church because essentially what I've figured out that it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or an atheist or an agnostic, like your beliefs are going to shape your worldview and how politics play out. And the separation of church and state isn't meant to keep the church out of government. It's to keep the government out of church. Mm. And so while in the constitution, we have our first amendment, which protects freedom of religion. That's not what it's talking about. Like the content and, and the line separation of church and state wasn't even a constitution thing. It was a private letter written to Thomas Jefferson, love him or hate him. Like this is, that's where it came from. Absolutely. And it was essentially a church saying, we don't have any clause protecting us from our government. And I believe it was Connecticut. And Thomas Jefferson was like, well, like, it's going to be okay. Separation of church and state needs to happen. But but the context was the government can't make any laws that are going to infringe on your religion, which, I mean, it's true. The government should never make a law that infringes on your belief, like any belief system. Well, and that makes sense because that's what they were coming from. They were coming from, mm-hmm. here's your option. You have one mm-hmm. option for king in politics mm-hmm. and for king mm-hmm. in religion. Mm-hmm you know, choose wisely, don't speak out against us or we're going to yeah. kick you out. Yeah. And and that's a, that's a beautiful part about living in America is that we get to speak mm-hmm. out without any fear of repercussion from the government. Uh, freedom of speech, it doesn't necessarily mean freedom from consequence. It just means that we have a right to voice our opinions and our beliefs. Yeah. And uh, I try to do so nicely. Some people do not. Some people try to be really aggressive about what they say. Mm-hmm. And for so long, people have just held this, oh, separation of church and state. Well, the church can't have anything to say about matters that are happening in the world. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. We should have a say. And that's where the church has disappointed me. And I say the church as like a unit, not as church as like the Lord. Like I'm right. talking about yeah. like just the people. The body of believers. Yeah. Yes. That they've been afraid to to speak out on issues of like racism or a topic that matters a lot to me, abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, human trafficking, we're afraid to say things because we're afraid yeah. of losing our uh, 501c3s. We're afraid of backlash. We're afraid of losing people who are paying money to the church to pay bills. And you can't do that. Like, like the church needs to exert influence in its communities, you know, personally. Oh, yeah, we're going to go there. Like, you can go the wherever welf- you want the, to. The welfare state, you know, it's it started through corruption and I think welfare helps a lot of people that it needs to help, but I also think it's taken advantage of. And I think the areas where the church can step up would be providing for its community. I think that's the role of the church. And I think fear of speaking out has kept the church from, from doing that. And I agree with you on that. I'm not as well-versed on the um, origin of welfare Mm -hmm. as you are, but that's what I've always said personally. I've, I've always been pretty public about this is like, if the government's going to exist in an area, it sure is darn heck better do its job if I'm going to pay my tax dollars to them. 
to do something, but it's so corrupt. It's so lacking. So why is the church not stepping back up? Because this used the, mm-hmm. this did used to be the church's job, and then I don't really know what happened. But for the past hundred, hundred fifty years, it's just been like, oh, let the government do that. It's yep. like that's literally Jesus calls us to care for the poor and the orphans, and that seems to be a lot of who welfare is trying to support. So why don't we just kind of pick up our end of the stick and take care of that? And I'm preaching to yeah. myself because you know yeah. what am I doing? You know, right now for x y or z people that you know that are on welfare i mean what would it look like if the church influenced racism in the sense of what if we had the answers what if we had the answers to ending abortion on a federal level what if we had the answers to adoption reform what if we had the answers to better border policies you know we're doing the world a disservice by being silent we can't do that anymore you know, the world is having their solutions, but where has that gotten us? I think a lot of the problem is people just interpret the Bible for whatever makes them feel better. And they're like, oh, this is what mm-hmm. God says to do. And this is what is convenient for me. And this is what makes me feel better about what I'm doing or not doing. And it's like mm-hmm. the Bible doesn't change over years and over generations and over different conflicts or circumstances. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That mm-hmm. means the word that he breathed out is the same mm-hmm. yesterday, today, mm-hmm. and tomorrow. And I think so many people on both sides of the aisle, I'm not talking to any specific side of the aisle yeah. because I've sat through, um, I've sat through some legislative session, listening to people rattle off specific out of context verses of the Bible mm-hmm. on both sides. I'm like, I think a lightning bolt's about to come through and strike you or, it, you know, just, it, it's just sad. It's just sad to me because it's like, this is your platform. This is your stage that God has hopefully called you to, to glorify him and to speak word and truth about him. And you're just freaking, you're just crapping all over everything. And I feel like there's a much more professional way to say that, but those are the only words that come to mind right now. Like, no, and that's, it has to be a raw response. It's not a good situation. What's happening. And yeah. it's infuriating. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I've already said this, it's our duty to get involved. You know, what would it look like? And and my husband is great at this. He's in business. Mm-hmm. What would it look like if a believer took their sphere of influence to the business world? Like, what would that look like? The business world is just as dirty as the political world. And we have to do better about that. If the Bible says, you know, A, B, C, and D, are we following that? Are we modeling that? Right. You know, if God's love is perfect, and you know, are we modeling God's love? I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but I'm saying that we have to go out there and do what he's called us to do. Keeping in mind that we're like, yes, we do believe that Christianity belongs mm-hmm. in politics. We want Christianity to, you know, bleed into politics. How would you feel about, or do you feel about those of other beliefs or worldviews injecting their beliefs and worldviews mm-hmm. into policy? Should we encourage them to do so? Should we retaliate, not retaliate like violently, but just mm-hmm. like, no, no, don't yeah. do that. Like you don't have a there, you don't have a place to do that here. How how do we respond to that? First of all, a great question. Secondly, a hard question because America was founded on Christian principles. We should be operating off a Christian basis. But the beautiful thing about America is that we're a melting pot. Mm-hmm. So we have to take into consideration that we have hundreds of religions essentially operating within the United States and that's beautiful. Texas just had its first uh, Muslim state rep elected. Mm-hmm. So f- people have representation. That's amazing. And some of his first bills were 
written to protect people celebrating their religious holidays, which is which is so cool that people can have excused absences for Diwali and other events. And I think that's awesome. But do I think that a representative who's a part of like the Church of Satan should legalize ritualistic abortions in the name of religion? Absolutely not. And I will die on that hill defending that. But it, it's a hard it's a hard situation of saying, yeah, we're, we're Christians. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, is life protected mm-hmm. to a fullest of what it's supposed right. to and be? That's, okay. and that's the thing that I feel like people forget mm-hmm. because I think people focus on, well, it's fine until it infringes on someone else's rights, which I agree. However, how do you define someone else's rights? Because mm-hmm. what you view as a right to life, you know, specifically, let's just say under, you know, the context of abortion, what you view as a right to life and what someone else on a different end of the spectrum views Mm -hmm. as a right to life are very different. So they're going to say you're infringing on, you know, the mother's right to autonomy and perhaps, you know, Mm -hmm. her pursuit of a better life, quote unquote, you know, without a baby. But you're saying, no, you're infringing on the baby's right to life And that baby has, you know, it's just, everyone's just yelling at each other, you know? I just feel like everyone's yelling at each other and it's so frustrating. And I just, obviously we can have this conversation all day and I could take this in so many different tangents, but that's the problem I feel like is like so many people are like, oh, well, you know, if, if we let Christians interject their opinion into politics, then we have to let everyone, which is true, like, I think everyone should have a say. Like you said, like Texas has their- We need for- representation. Right. Oklahoma, I think our uh, representative from Oklahoma City, who is Muslim, I believe has been in the house for two terms now. But again, you know, representation, that's, you know, Oklahoma. Who thought Oklahoma or Texas would ever have a Muslim rep- representation? I think it's wonderful when those of other- viewpoints and beliefs have representation but there does have to be a line and mm-hmm. that's the problem is no one can decide where that line is and people want so, to move there's it. no perfect answer and mm-hmm. so that's the problem is like where is the line and no one can ever define that no one can decide where the line should be drawn but yeah and and no one's willing to work with each other right and that's i think the most frustrating part is right now there are multiple bipartisan bills going through the Texas, like through Texas, which is, mm-hmm. it's about time. Honestly, I'm tired yes. of paying people's salaries who aren't doing anything. We currently have a uh, adoption assistant act That's that amazing. is bipartisan. And well, it's just putting it on up here, 2300 North Lincoln Boulevard. Right. Right. <laughs> There's some people right. in that building who need to read that one too. I'd, I'd love for that. And, to it's, and, it, and it's not, you know, oh, the government, here's, here's money for an, an adoption. It's, it's putting it on the church to partner with these families that want to adopt. And it's bipartisan. So it's people Which who believe come heard of, especially yeah, adoption. I know. And it's, you know, hopefully people don't slap any stipulations on it and just like ruin it completely, which they'll try to do. But mm-hmm. we, there are lines that are drawn, but at the end of the day, where can we work for the best of the people? Where can we work for, I, I hate saying this, but as few lines crossed as possible and as few rights and liberties stepped on as possible. And I just, I don't know, it's just sad to see everyone just yelling at each other. And I know that's probably what everyone's always said, but I just feel like 
I don't know, it's been a long time in history since people have just literally done nothing except yell at each other. And I think this is a whole other caveat that I could have a whole other episode on, but I think it's a lot, a majority because of social media. Obviously we can talk about, you know, Christian aspects or unchristian aspects of it as well, but holy cow, social media. Like I remember when I was like 14, 15 and like Facebook was a thing. MySpace had just gotten pushed off the cliff and Facebook was like the new cool thing to do. I was begging my parents, I want a Facebook, I want a Facebook. And probably back then it would have been fine because all that was posted were like memes and Tumblr mm-hmm. pictures. But now I'm just it was like, so fun back then. Oh, I know. And so freaking, I don't know who ruined it, but it's been ruined. And I don't even like social media anymore. I obviously use it for, you know, my creative outlets like this. But I was telling my husband, I was like, it will take a lot for me to ever want to let my kids have social media. Well, and, and you ever. can't, you know, I've already spoke about this. Kids are getting exposed to porn younger and younger and younger. Kids are being yeah. targeted by pervs on the internet, by social media companies. It's ruining people's self-esteem. It's creating narcissists. It's, I mean, straight up, we could talk about social media for a couple more hours, but it, it's, no one's learned how to speak to each other. It's no, it's an, if you disagree with me, you're a bigot, you're hateful. Yeah. Yeah. I've literally had people pick up um, phones and like send my husband text message, like your wife's a bigot, like for what she <gasps> believes. And it's just like, let's have conversation face to face. Yeah. Because you like, especially like when you get even face to face on a screen like this, like a video chat, it's so much harder to be like, oh, you're a bigot. You suck. I don't believe anything you say is right or true or anything. It's like, no, now you're forced to look them in the eye and be like, is that actually what I think about you? Or do your beliefs just not align with what makes me feel good about myself? And that's the end. Are you just, are you just reading what you want to read out of what I posted yeah or is this true we don't know right and we've got to stop focusing on what makes us feel good about ourselves and I think that's become the culture is like okay whatever makes you feel good that's that's what's right and I'm like then where again where's the line what separates truth from reality and no one wants to talk about that because then they'll step on someone else's toes and it hurts their little fake truth and I mean I've been guilty of that, you know, like right after I gave birth, I told, I looked at you and I was like, look, my stomach's so much flatter. It was not, but he was so kind of like, yes, sweetie, it is so much flatter. You look so good. No, I was hopped up on drugs and Pitocin and my uterus was barely smaller than it had been two hours earlier. And so it was just like, but if he had told me, no, you look like a fat elephant right now, that would have hurt my feelings. That would have been really Mm -hmm. rude obviously just different circumstances and if there are men out there telling their recently pregnant wives that they're fat elephants they just need to they suck and and i think i think that's where we're at is for so long people have been worried about stepping on toes and and in the name of love being silent but at the end of the day if you're running towards a cliff a cliff at full speed and i know at the bottom of that cliff there are rocks there are water there are sharks Am I loving you the most by letting you run to your death? Or am I loving you the most by saying, hey, your your behavior right now is destructive and it's going to end in death? You know, that might be a hard conversation if I know you're having fun and I know you think this is what you want, but let me tell you how this ends. And there's not enough people who are willing to say this behavior that you're exhibiting, it is not you. It is not what 
what is right. It is, it is dangerous. Yeah. You know, if someone might be having a great time on drugs, but at the end of the day, is this behavior going to kill them? Yeah. It's going to, or kill someone else. Right. And, yeah. and we we're seeing pastors who are just afraid of, I'm not saying this all pastors. There's so many great pastors out there right. and I love them right. and I respect them and I honor them. But at the end of the day, why are they not standing up at during elections, say in October and saying, there are some candidates out there who, whose values do not reflect the church yeah. and they are being pushed by media. But I want to, I want to introduce certain candidates that I support that have similar values to what the, our church stands for. And me as a pastor, I support them. Yeah. And so I think you should research. Why aren't we doing that? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like it's a lot of time because it's viewed as like, oh, this pastor is telling me who to vote for. I don't even think that a lot of pastors would be like, go vote for this person. You're not a Christian. Cause I do mm-hmm. hate that. There's a lot of people that, again, both sides say like, oh, if you're on the other side, there's no way you can be a Christian. Or if you believe this, there's no way you can be a Christian. I'm like, mm, no, I mean, yes, to an extent, but people can take beliefs so, so far and be like, there's no way you can be a Christian. If you believe this now, do I believe that some political beliefs would lead me to believe that you understand and respect the Bible a little bit more than others? Yes, absolutely. And I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's, I don't know someone's walk. I, I can only know them by their actions and their fruit. Yeah. Um, I have friends, my dearest friends have had abortions. Mm. Do I think they're going to rot in hell? No, mm. no. And um, it, it's hard. I don't know someone's heart. I'm not Jesus. I know my beliefs. I, I know, I, I believe I know it's right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm going to speak about what I think is right. The world's going to speak about what they think is right. Yeah. But, but abortion is one of those things that it's, I'm willing to fight. Yeah. I'm willing to die on that hill. Yeah, And, and I, I can say that because my family members pressured my mom to have an abortion whenever she got pregnant right out of high school with me. And so it's like, I've got it's skin you. in the game. Yeah. yeah. That gives me chills. And it's something I'm passionate about. And we aren't God. We don't get to play God with, with abortion and with life. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, Which it's is a again, hard it's a topic. Whole, yeah. It's a whole, it's a hard topic. topic. To go off on, but yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about real quick, not that I'm trying to like move from subject to subject, but no, I also don't yeah. want to take up a ton of your time. Um, so we were talking a little bit ago about different pastors and different beliefs. So I actually recently in the past month came across someone retweeted this, an image with this quote on it from this reverend, um, Reverend Dr. Barbara Brown Taylor. And I guess one of her sermons She said, Jesus was not killed by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order allied with religion, which is always a deadly mix. Beware those who claim to know the will of God and are prepared to use force if necessary to make others conform. Beware those who cannot tell God's will from their own. And I I will say that last part. I totally agree. Beware those who can't tell God's will from their own. Agreed. Absolutely. 100%. The rest of it. What's your takeaway from that? Yeah, that's a that's a. Great. I, I text this to one of my friends. He's a constitutional expert. He just, he knows so much. And it's just like, how do you, where did you store that? Like, where did you pull that out of? That's and he's hilarious. Like he's, he's, he's worth a talk. Like if yeah. 
you should talk to him sometime. Yes. He's hilarious. Um, and we were just talking about this because I, I 100% agree with the, the, the last half of that. Um, if you can't tell God's will from your own, mm-hmm. fully on board, that is a dangerous mix. And I, I chewed on this actually for a while. And I think the conclusion I came to is bad people are going to do bad things. And that's their nature. Um, the spirit of religion, which is what Jesus spent a, a majority of his ministry warning against, is evil, it's corrupt, and it's always going to persecute and prosecute. And I think when it comes down to it, any radical behavior isn't great. Yeah. You know, we see radicalist behavior from, you know, in this case, Pharisees. We see rad- radicalist behavior when it comes to ISIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see radicalist behavior within the LGBT community. But also, we see great behavior from the Muslim population. We see great behavior a lot of times from the LGBT community. And we see great behavior from the Jewish community. So, yeah, religion, the spirit of religion took out Jesus, but that's also because, like, the word says that God allowed his son to be crucified for our sins. And they persecuted him because they were afraid of losing their power. And so whenever you have someone who is afraid of losing power and so will go to any means to protect and defend that power, I think that's a dangerous situation wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, That's good. It's it's hard. I mean, she's right. I don't know if she was quite promoting the message. She was getting there. Yes. And just a couple more steps I think would have been excellent. The spirit of religion kills and uh, you see that within Christianity a lot too. For example, OBU, great school. Glad I went through nursing school there. Mm-hmm. Would I send my children there? Probably not. I remember I, I had to, this is a completely different topic. I had to heal from that. You know, I go to a church where our, our female pastors preach just as well as our men, like our male pastors and having to having to heal from that without a spirit of pride and religion attached to that, that took a second. It's hard. It's so wild what God does because literally the guest that I was interviewing last week, and I think her episode will probably come out a week or two before this one. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about women in the church. And I just, I think it's so amazing because knowing her, I think that you guys would differ very, very much politically, but you guys have that in common that, Hey, wherever, like when this is a quote from what she was saying in that, in that episode, wherever the Holy Spirit is, women also should be. Mm-hmm. And that's so, I just think that's so cool that like people from completely different opposite sides of the aisle can, again, find common ground to talk about. And this is like what I want to do with this podcast. And it just makes me so yeah. happy that like two very different guests have one specific thing in common. And that just makes me so happy. No, I'm yeah. pr- I'm proud of you for having a show that like encourages different. You know how easy it is just to bring in people who just scratch your back. Yeah, like that would be the easy route, but oh, and we see that taken so many times within politics within the church. And it's just like no, let's mix it up. Let's make it yeah, spicy. That's something I actually. Oh man, I'm gonna say something else that's gonna get me canceled. <laughs> I'm not gonna say how much I do or don't agree or disagree with these two people because that's a whole other topic that I don't want to get into right now, but. Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh, two very, mm-hmm. very controversial mm-hmm. people. 
But whenever they speak in public, they welcome people of the opposite belief. And I respect that out of them. And a lot of people are like, oh, that like they just like that is how they just exert their power over people. I'm like, it would be so easy for them to just have like only conservatives stand up there and be like, oh, I agree with you. What do you think about, you know, X, Y, or Z? But yes, tell me I'm right. Like, no, right, exactly. And it's like he they're inviting people of different walks of life, different beliefs and different worldviews to come in prison. Like, it's not like they know what the questions these people are going to ask. It's not like, you know, they're trying to like plant people in the audience to ask them questions. It's like, these are people that they do not know that Mm -hmm. believe completely differently from them. And they're inviting them to come like, Hey, let's have a conversation. And of course, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh are a little, they're pretty blunt. (laughs) Mm -hmm. they're pretty uh hard-headed and that's kind of where i'm like okay but i do respect them for inviting and that's that's kind of how i want to be is just like let's invite you into this space of you know what we're just gonna we're gonna meet in the middle maybe not like you're gonna convert me to your side i'm gonna convert you to your side or whatever but we're just gonna find some middle ground And that middle ground is just like, let's have a conversation. Let's chat about, you know, what makes you you. Let's chat about these hot topics that people are afraid to touch. And like, not all of my episodes will be like this. Like the one that I dropped today is just motherhood. And I think there's, you know, a a place for that. I hope, I hope there's a place for that. Um, But one of my biggest things that I, one of the reasons I started a podcast is so many people when I would post like unpopular opinions or like share like have like an Instagram question box and be like all right drop your unpopular opinions and like I'll just share them they're like oh that's ballsy I'm like why why is it ballsy why shouldn't we be doing that like why shouldn't we be sharing just our opinions like that we have and having a real discussion about them and it's like I just I just hate that this you know this culture that we're in is like don't ever step on someone else's toes or well and it it makes me celebrate the people who welcome that one of my dearest friends her life is completely different than my life her beliefs are completely different how she was raised is completely different her skin color is different and we've never voted for the same person yeah ever yeah but she texted me the other day and i said hey i see you hustling over there and i see you standing up for what you believe and i want you to know i'm so freaking proud of you yes and that's how my one of my best friends in dc is like again like she's completely different from me to the point of like you said like her skin is a different color than than mine she she and i have probably never voted for the same person but i love her because she is more than her political opinions mm-hmm. and at the end of the day as long as she's going to heaven and as long as she loves Jesus, that's all I care about. We can have discussions all day and we have so many good discussions. And the fact that we we differ so much in our in our political beliefs could definitely lead to some pretty gnarly fights. But it's like we've never fought about anything. We've definitely like called each other out. I'm like, okay, but like, why do you think that? Because like, this is what I think. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. But it's just like, but this is where I see an error could you explain that a little bit more instead of like, Oh, I see an error. You're wrong. You're canceled. Don't talk to me ever again. And I think, I think the more we have these discussions, the healthier this, this nation can be just like off the top of my head. If we were to talk about protecting children, Mm. um, let's see which way let's talk about, because there's so many areas that we need to protect children. 
But let's talk about border policy. Yes. You know, if if I have a friend who's just like, we need open borders. We need to welcome everybody in. We need, you know, to do X, Y, Z. Kids were in cages under Trump. And we can have a discussion of, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about these policies that are in place right now under President Biden, mm-hmm. where, where children are literally being trafficked, dismembered, raped to death because of open, like like lax border policies yeah like how 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 do you how do you feel about that well that's going to change their tune a lot and i love immigration i love that america is a melting pot but how it is happening right now is not a way that is conducive for safety that is conducive for building a healthy country mm-hmm. and maybe we need to modify that our end game is the same but how we're going about it is completely different. We need to have these hard conversations. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd also like to point out that uh, the same facilities are being used under Biden, but weirdly enough, they are not cages anymore. How weird. And they weren't built under Trump. I don't know. <laughs> Just so, so special. Yeah. Just, wow. Wow. Just like we're going to ignore things that, you know, we just we just want stories and we just want hype, but we're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. But, well, Taylor, thank you so much for being on. This is such a great conversation. Is there any any last thing you'd like to add? Also, I just want to talk about real quick, and I like talk about your kids because that's weird. I just yeah. want to point out that when you share your kids worshiping on your social media, it just like is the best thing. I like it brightens my day. And something I do love that your church promotes and that you promote is that there is no junior Holy Spirit. The first time you said that, that has stuck with me like for years because that's something that you like ingrained in your children's minds and even if like you know again our kids would would go to different styles of churches I always want my child and any future children to understand like God is not different for you when you're a little kid versus a big kid versus an adult like God is the same Jesus is the same the Holy Spirit is the same and you're worshiping the same God always throughout your whole life and I just love that and I know that's a weird little caveat but I just love that you talk about that I love that your family makes that a priority and that mm-hmm. just makes me want to make that a priority for my child once now it's older. changed our family okay. like if I wish like you kind of knew me in college but I wish you would have known me right after college to now yeah. because of how good the Lord is yeah and like our my biggest priority in life is to be the best wife I can to my husband is to raise men and women who are pursuing Jesus with everything they have and are walking in what the Lord's called them in. And, and my third priority is to make a future that's better for them and that, that they can grow up and be who they need to be. And there is no Jude and Holy Spirit. I'm doing a disservice to my children. If I ever say, Oh, we're going to minimize and downplay what the Lord's doing just because you're a kid. My kids have been praying. We'll go there. We've we've struggled with infertility. Uh, we had two real fast, and we've struggled with infertility and miscarriages. Yeah. And my kids are believing for a miracle. So, yeah. so they're taking it upon themselves, and they're praying for miracles over my body. And just teaching a child that they walk in authority. So that when they have nightmares and they say, Mommy, I had a bad dream. I say, okay, okay, this is what we do. This is how... This is how mommy would handle it. So I want you to learn and walk to walk on the authority of the Lord's given you. Yeah. Um, and 
so far. I'm not going to say I'm an expert parenting, like a parent, like I'm not a parenting expert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lord is good and I get to walk in his grace. And I love that. I love that. So. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It just brightened my day. Um, I always ask my guests this before we log off, but um, just one last little nugget of knowledge, something for all the ladies out there that are listening. What do you want them to leave here with? That it is possible for you at any stage to make a difference. I'm a stay at home mom and I'm currently, I've been appointed by the Tarrant County judge to sit on a CPS board where I get to make a difference and foster kids' lives. So no matter if you're a stay at home mom, if you're an empty nester, if you're, if you're single, that you have the ability to make a difference wherever you are. And, and it's, it's worth it. It's worth it to put yourself out there. It might be scary, but do it anyway. Do it scared. Because you walk in the authority of the Lord. Or hopefully you do. I mean, if if not, send me a message. We'll talk about it. But yeah, we can have a conversation about that too, how we can start walking in the authority of the Lord. That's so cool. Well, thanks again, Taylor, for being on. Friends, thanks for joining again today. We'll see you on the next episode of Wholeheartedly Her. Talk to you later, friends. Bye.